And so uh, I just want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, excuse me, to Romans chapter 6. And I want to explain for just a few moments what it is that we're doing here. Why is there water on the stage? Why are people going to be immersed underwater? What is this ceremony? If you've never seen baptism in a church before, I want you to know what's going on here. Baptism is a celebration. It is a proclamation. It is public testimony. Baptism is not magical or mystical. Baptism doesn't accomplish something before God for a sinner. Baptism does not make a sinner right before God. Baptism does not transform a life. Baptism is a public testimonial, a public profession of an inward reality that has already taken place. That God has forgiven sin and that a life has been transformed. What forgives sin is faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. New birth that produces repentance and belief. A turning from an old way of life and a turning to Christ. A turning to, from other things to worship and turning to worship the one true God. A, a turning from sin and self and slavery to freedom and life in God through Christ. And Jake has already described for us how this forgiveness can take place. That God himself came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and lived on the earth. And he lived as a man so that he could die as a man. Subject himself to death in the place of sinners who believe. You see, the only way a sinner can be made right before a holy God and God maintain his own reputation of goodness and justice is if sins get punished. But the only way the sins get punished and the sinner not suffer forever under the wrath of God is if a substitute goes in between. That's why Jesus came. To endure in himself the infinite wrath of God while our sins were transferred to him so that he could transfer his perfect righteousness to us so that we the sinner could stand before God justified, declared in a heavenly courtroom as never having done anything wrong and as always doing everything right. And you who are in Christ, you know the staggering nature of this grace. You know your sin. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And you know his beauty and his holiness. And the closer you get to Christ, the more awe-inspiring he is. And the more sinful we realize ourselves to have been. And the thought that my sins would be transferred to Christ so that he would be punished for me. So that his righteousness could be transferred to me and I treat it as if I had always done everything right. Is too good to be true. It's the kind of grace that humbles. It's the kind of grace that transforms. We don't walk around with a clean slate just glad I'm not getting caught for that. Go on with our lives. This is a radical forgiveness that transforms the sinner from the inside out. 
This is the reality that Paul displays for us in Romans chapter 6. If you're looking down there, I want you to see verse 1. What shall we say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died with reference to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be ruined so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. You see what happens, a a union with Christ through faith produces a union with his death. An immersion into Christ and a resurrection into new life as a Christian. That is what this water symbolizes. To go down into the water is an emblem of death and burial, union with Christ. And to come out of the water is a testimony. I have been raised to new life. My life has been transformed. I am with Christ in his death and am now living with him in my life. That is what these will give testimony to. These six will not tell you how great they are. In fact, you'll get a pretty dark picture of despair, darkness, hope, slavery, sin, apart from Christ. And they're here not to boast in themselves, but to boast in Jesus and what he has done for them. And all of you who are in Christ, you you are already thinking back to those days in your own life when you recognized you were a sinner. You were the problem before a holy God. And God in his mercy opened your eyes to see his grace and his love and your heart was melted and your eyes were opened. And as you think about your own life and your own testimony, as these are courageously sharing theirs, we all feel together the affinity of what it means to have been forgiven and to be brought together as a family. In a very real sense, this is a living room. And this family is rejoicing in what God has done in these lives. And we just can't wait to hear. I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts for just a moment. In Acts chapter 8, we have the story of a man from Ethiopia riding in a chariot. And a man ready to preach the gospel named Philip. And the man riding in the chariot has a very expensive scroll of the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And he's reading it, and he doesn't understand. And, and God in his sovereignty has placed Philip right there to overhear what he's saying. And, and Philip says, do you, do you understand what you're reading? It's Isaiah 53. It's the passage Jake just led us to through First Peter. That Christ suffered in the place of sinners. This was the Old Testament prediction of Christ's death, 700 years before Christ. And just after Christ died, this Ethiopian man is, is reading this prophecy. And it has just been fulfilled, and, and he doesn't understand it. And Philip is invited up into the chariot with him and explains Jesus from Isaiah 53 to the man. And they must have had a significant conversation about many things. 
We read in verse 35 of Acts 8, Philip opened his mouth beginning from this scripture. He preached Jesus to him. And then we get verse 36. They went along the road and they came to some water. (laughs) We don't get the whole conversation. But Philip apparently explained belief, repentance, faith, baptism. And the Ethiopian man says, hey, there's a puddle. Pull the chariot over. Can we get in? (laughs) And what's striking here is belief, repentance, faith, hearing the gospel, all of that happens. And water baptism on the same day. My heart loves that. And I wish we could get back to that sometimes, don't you? Somebody believes and they get baptized. There are some reasons in our day why there's a little bit of space between that. Sometimes in a Christian culture, you can't tell if somebody has really believed or if they're just sort of interested or if it's phony uh, or if they've just succumbed to sort of Christian culture around them. Sometimes it takes trials, testing, sort of a demonstration of faith. But what I love about baptism services like today is, is you will hear some testimonies of people that are newly in Christ. And some testimonies of people who have been in Christ for some time. And the breadth of articulation of what God has done. Same message. Jesus saves sinners. And remarkably different stories. And I hope as you're listening, and and if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, I hope that you listen well. Because you're seeing people who have not done something to clean themselves up, but who've experienced the radical transformational power of God's love through Jesus Christ. I'm going to say one more thing and then we'll invite them up to tell their testimonies. The first one who will be baptized today is a few months shy of 16 years old. That's pretty young. Some of you might say, man, that's old. That's an old guy. I want to talk to you a little bit about youth and baptism. A young man and baptism. A young man who's still under his parents' authority, still in the home. It can be difficult to discern genuine faith sometimes. In a home where mom and dad love the gospel, preach the gospel, read the Bible, it's normal. In a church where the gospel is proclaimed, the word of God is taught, student ministries is happening, and and there's this peer pressure to be Christian. Sometimes it's hard to tell if, if a little one in your home really wants to please mommy and dad. Sometimes that that desire isn't tested until trials come along, sometimes until someone leaves the home. But there are ways, there are opportunities at times to have windows into the genuineness of faith. I want you to understand that we take baptism seriously. We we believe that baptism is not a thing by itself. Uh, This is a public profession of, I am in Christ, I've died, and I have a transformed life. It's a serious, sober proclamation. That Proclamation comes with an affiliation because your uniting yourself publicly with Christ is also a uniting yourself publicly with the body of Christ or the church or Jesus' people. You're saying, I'm with them because I'm with him in death to myself and a new life. And that public proclamation and public affiliation comes also with a public accountability. 
to, to stand before everyone and say, I'm in Christ and I am with these people is also at some level to invite the scrutiny or the accountability of that profession over time. And you need to know that someone who comes forward and says, I want to be baptized, I, I want to profess my faith in Christ, and I want to align myself with you, believers, also means I want you to hold me accountable to that profession. If there are blind spots in my life, if I start to wander away from truth, will you please hold on to me? Will you help keep me? This is one of God's means for keeping his own. It's also one of God's means for helping the church maintain a pure testimony rather than hypocrisy. So with that being said, you're going you're to hear some of that in Christian's own testimony. You need to know some of the behind the scenes that mom and dad and Christian want this public accountability to a public affiliation and a public proclamation. This is sobering. Serious, joyful, all at the same time.